All right. Hello. Welcome back then to another episode of the Phonejacker Sales Podcast. It's a podcast about sales. This week, so this month, I've got two more guests. Uh, this episode, this week, I'm going to be speaking to Nia, Nia Woodhouse, uh, who's an SDR at My Sales Coach. So firstly, thanks for joining me, Nia. How are you? I'm grand. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Good stuff. Thrilled. We love to hear that. Okay. So, I mean, I've been following you for a while. That sounds a bit creepy, right? But on LinkedIn, obviously. Uh, so I've known of you, of you and you've been posting uh, in your previous job. So I know who you mm -hmm. are, but for those that don't, uh, like I said, you're an SDR at my sales coach. Who, who are you and what do you do? Yeah. So I am Nia. I'm a senior SDR at my sales coach. That's part of my job. The other part of my job is that I work with partnerships for my sales coach. So I'll share a little bit about exactly what I do. Um, with us being a relatively new company, I have, I wear many hats, uh, but lead gen is a big part of my role. So my sales coach came about because I work with sales leaders who really care about helping salespeople to be as successful as possible. Yeah. Um, what we found over the years is that we know that sales coaching is a great way to help salespeople to be successful, to progress in their career, um, and ultimately navigate the challenges that come with a, a role in sales. But the unfortunate truth is that the people who are supposed to do it, this and this isn't a criticism, is their sales leaders. But because they have a million and one other things that they need to be doing, they just struggle to have the time to put aside to um, to provide that consistent coaching. So that is where my sales coach comes in um, and yeah. providing that expert coaching. Got it. Good stuff. And so, yeah, you re mentioned this is a fairly new company, right? It's like a matter of months old. I remember it was being announced earlier this year, right? Yeah, I mean, this year has flown. We're literally the end of July. So we kicked off officially in January, but it's been really exciting. We've just doubled the sales team. So that's where oh, wow. we're up to in July. Oh, amazing. And um, so, yeah, you mentioned prospecting is probably part of your biggest role. Obviously, yeah, as mm -hmm. startups go, you kind of cover mm -hmm. loads of different jobs and all the rest of it. So who, who are you prospecting to? Is this uh, individuals or is it to get uh, in-house trading and companies on board to help with their sales team? So I'm primarily B2B and mm -hmm. I'll be prospecting or focusing my outbound efforts on um, sales leaders and sales enablement leaders. Um, and it can be of various size companies because whether you have two salespeople on your team or 200, you're still going to be strapped for time ultimately. Yeah. So that's where I spend most of my time. Got it. Interesting stuff. Cause yeah, I'm doing the same thing. We're basically competitors. Maybe we're speaking to the same companies, but yeah, I've been prospecting <laughs> for in-house training recently as well. Uh, so yeah, you raised some things. We come on to that in a minute, but first question I wanted to ask was what's yeah, you've been doing, uh, with my sales coach since January. So what's that? Six months now, seven months. Um, mm -hmm. what's your story? How did you get into sales? Where did it all begin for you? So a little bit random because I did my degree in molecular biology uh, in, oh, wow. in Newcastle Uni and I worked part-time in sales um, in a phone shop and whilst it is completely different to B2B sales I really enjoyed like um, 
the aspect of the role like yeah. um speaking with people helping them find the best well it was phone for them working towards targets working within a team like that was just so exciting and i had never heard of SaaS. i'd never heard of sales development um but went through a recruitment company and ended up in my first sdr role at a company called refract um who yeah. worked in the same space in terms of helping um sales leaders to help their teams be really successful and i really loved that role so i was an sdr there i did a lot of lead gen and then refract were acquired by Allego. randomly um i well because it's not that random i did a biology um degree initially mm -hmm. and i was really young when i got into sales i really loved my role um but i, I felt like there was something that I needed to go and explore and that was the, the science part of my degree. So I actually retrained as a physio and did that for a year and I enjoyed it, but I just missed sales so much that when the um, people that I used to work with uh, at Refract and the Lego told me about my sales coach, I was like, oh, this is what I've got to be doing. So that's how I ended back in this role. Oh, amazing so yeah you phone shop was your kind of baptism of fire and uh sounds like you enjoyed that and even though you were doing this biology degree it was like that mm -hmm. was kind of a stepping stone into starting your sales career because that's quite yeah. um it's like i know allegro and uh, refract and obviously rich and uh some of the mm -hmm. other mark and or some of the other guys um and I was literally just chatting to someone earlier and it's really hard to find good companies to work for. And I know that uh, Refract and Allegro are a really good company to, mm. to work for. And uh, obviously you talked about the coaching side of things. And it's just interesting listening to you say that because there's not that many people that would say, oh, I really enjoyed sales and I missed sales. And then, like you said, you went and did the physiotherapy mm -hmm. stuff and uh, went back into it. So what is it? Uh, I guess what the question is, what, what is it that you missed so much or enjoyed so much about the, jo the job that perhaps so many salespeople out there don't? I know, and that is a shame to hear. And I, I do mm. wonder what, what aspect it is that makes them not enjoy their career because I definitely do. And I know the people that I work with do as well. It's difficult yeah. to put a finger on it, but I think um, I'm a very ambitious person. So with sales, there's sort of, no ceiling on your success and in a nerdy way i love the continuous learning and development which is why this job is obviously perfect for me to also yeah. help people do the same um i love the autonomy to be creative especially in sales development and when you're working at a startup you have so much more autonomy because there is there's no processes there's no playbooks you're yeah. sort of doing that so that's what that's what i love about it and that's what i missed yeah no that's a good point i think um i think because for me uh did i enjoy sales i kind of enjoyed sales when i first got into it um and i was similar to you i think the bit that i enjoyed because i was a project manager before that and the problem with mm -hmm. project management is that you just do the same stuff over and over again. And then you, you're like mindset on a deadline and then you complete everything. And then you get that nice dopamine hit and you're like, right, I've done it. And then you're just like, right, I've got to do, do it all over again. And you also do it like for 10 other projects at the same time. Whereas 
like you said, with sales, you've got, there's no ceiling, right? And you can effectively write your own paycheck. And uh, it, that sort of motivation that you probably just don't really get in other jobs if you're just completing tasks, right? That's something that uh, appeals to me. Um, and yeah, I think for other people that perhaps don't enjoy their sales job, um, I think it's just environment. And I think of the jobs that I didn't really enjoy, a lot of it was just kind of the sales environment um, and the coaching side of things, which I wanted to get onto. I I think I've had, so I've been in sales for 10 years on my own for two. I was a traveling for one. So seven years of sales, I had two training sessions. One of them was internal and it was useless. The other one, they got someone in and it was just a day of training, right? And so it was okay. Um, but nothing changed afterwards. And I think uh, that might be one of the reasons why a lot of people uh, kind of struggle with sales because they just don't have the support, right, from others around you. So obviously, mm -hmm. like I mentioned, some of the guys, Richard and, and Mark, that you were working with a Lego, what was, um, yeah, on the coach in front of the support sort of side of things, what were some of the good things that you experienced uh, working there? Yeah, so I would say that I've been super lucky, but also I feel like with any job, you should be supported when you start and throughout yeah. your career. And it just so happens that unfortunately sales is one of those um, careers where you do get less support. So whilst I am lucky, I feel like it, it should, that's what we should be expecting and, and that's what you should look for when you're looking for a role but um just to spin a positive light on it like you said I've worked with some really successful and talented salespeople like Mark and um, Mark Akers, Richard Smith, Stuart Taylor and our CEO yeah. Kevin Beals and I was lucky that because we were a sales-led organization um that we were obviously aiming to support salespeople we definitely drank our own champagne and I was used to weekly call coaching sessions, weekly one-to-ones that weren't just about metrics and KPIs. They're about, okay, what's important to you? What's on your mind? Where do you want to get to? How are we going to support you to get to that point? Um, yeah. And that that has been what, what I've experienced throughout my whole sales career. Um, and then at my sales coach, I'm even luckier because I still have all of that, but then I have that external support as well with our expert sales coaches. So it's that plus everything else. And I've just genuinely been in a culture where everybody just wants you to be successful. Um, and that's obviously just going to motivate you. How could you not love your job when you've got like yeah, people absolutely. cheerleading around you and vice versa? Yeah, no, absolutely. And also I think um, for some of, in my experience, speaking to some people and some of the issues that salespeople have is that um, I don't think it's that companies or perhaps managers or senior leaders don't want them to succeed. They just don't know how to, how to support them. And I think a big part of that as well, and I wrote a LinkedIn post, drafted it up, I haven't posted it yet, where I remember when uh, when I first start, started in sales, uh, everyone used to say this phrase that sales is the heartbeat of any business. And I always used to think if, that, if people believed that and it was true, then why, why don't companies make sales and the coaching side of it and the support and why don't they just make salespeople the best salespeople that they could be because if they did that then 
they'd sell more right and mm -hmm. uh yeah it's just interesting that obviously you've had such a good experience and from my experience um yeah there's just a little bit of neglect there and i just think it's uh ignorance because let me know what you think of this i think for a lot of companies and a lot of sales teams there's a mindset of um we just got to do more right and if we prospect more we get in front of more people we'll send we'll sell more and there's less of a focus on um the process and how they actually do it and how can they do, be doing things better more efficiently uh and all the rest of it and yeah i think yeah let me know what you think on that i think that's a big problem for a mm -hmm. lot of companies obviously you're prospecting speaking to businesses now is that something that you come across so interestingly, I feel like times are definitely changing, whereby that is a pretty old school approach. So we want yeah. we want more sales, therefore do more. And that is just not the way to nurture your reps. It's not a way to motivate them because they're like, we're already doing our jobs. Why don't you support us to do what we're already doing, um, yeah. but slightly better rather than just do more, do more hours. And what I found based on the conversations that I've been having is, is what really resonates with, with sales leaders is that of course they want their team to be um, more successful and to support them. But really it is just the, the lack of resource, the lack of time, or maybe um, sales managers have been promoted internally from just being top performers and then not necessarily ever been taught how to be great coaches so here they are yeah. they used to be the top performer bringing in all of the money um but they have a team to support now go and coach them but they've never really been told how to do that so i think that resonates as well and i think a lot of new managers will will feel that as well they're like okay i've, I've learned the best way for myself but that's not going to translate to 10 other people um how can i best support them and and i think that's where great coaching comes in as well like how can you coach the coach i know if i had a team i would need yeah. that support as well just because you're a top performer doesn't make you the best coach there yeah no you raise a really good point and it's uh something that um gets talked about a lot and i experienced this firsthand where like you said top performers usually get promoted to uh sales manager or sales director um but that i think they make a mistake in that they still enjoy sales and selling and so many of the sales managers and sales directors they never wanted to give that up and so when you mentioned that time becomes an issue that's part of the reason in my experience anyway in that they still want to sell and so they've got less time to coach um mm -hmm. and then the other thing that i experienced was um like a per like you said personality traits of top performers generally speaking don't lend themselves well to uh coaching right because they just gotta have different attributes that are uh, required for each job and it's perhaps not a selfishness but like a, an independent drive that made them top performers from a sales point of view and then all of a sudden you've got to chuck that out the window and now be a little bit more empathetic and support your team and from my experience mm -hmm. uh there's a lot of frustration there because especially when I was really shit at sales, uh, my sales managers were just like, I could tell in the back of their mind, they just like, why, why can't you just do what I do? 
do you know what I mean? And they just don't have the ability, like you said, to actually uh, coach and uh, and yeah, kind of change change their approach to how they manage a team, uh, be it a coach. So from that then, so you're obviously speaking to a lot of sales directors and um, you mentioned sales enablement and all these sorts of things. You mentioned time being mm-hmm. one of them. What's What are the sort of challenges that you are not coming up against, but when you're speaking to these guys, they're telling you their challenges in terms of getting uh, their sales team up to scratch, I guess is a way of putting it. Um, it, really, it really varies. It depends. Like you, You've got some salespeople who are brand new and they're going to have totally different challenges um, from maybe people who've been in their careers for 20 years. Sometimes yeah. people think it's a misconception or we've got um, really experienced reps on our teams, they don't need coaching. And you would never say that in any other aspects of like any other careers you have top athletes who are still being coached and what i found is the people who are actually really susceptible um to doing great things from coaching are the the people who are top performers anyway they're like okay i'm doing great on my own but how can i level up what's next for me and sales leaders who can sort of see that identify that they might have some people on their team who are struggling who might need um some help maybe picking up the phone they've got others who are doing so well it's like how can they level up splitting splitting yourself into 10 different roles is really challenging so if you've got somebody there who can be like have a coach for each person then you know that you're investing in their development and it's coming from completely different areas as well yeah no that's a really good point uh you made a couple of good points um and i guess for people listening you're right it's in most instances the people that are top performers are the ones that are open-minded right and perhaps have got a little Mm -hmm. bit of humility to say that i can always improve so that's a really good trait um but yeah the other point that you raised was really interesting is that people are like if you've got a sales team then You've got people of all different experiences and abilities uh, and I guess motivations as well, right? So how you kind of mentioned it there, I guess, what what's the advice or what's for a, a manager or a business? What's the advice in terms of managing that uh, kind of scenario where what you're saying is that it's not a kind of one fit, one, yeah, one fit, uh, mm-hmm. one size fits all sales trading for everyone because obviously that's not going to work. Yeah, how do you get around it? So I think it's just important to know that uh, I think it's it's easy to, to fall into the trap of either just supporting the people who are doing great and, and obviously because you want to keep them and nurture them or spending all of your time with the, the underperformers or the middle of the road performers trying to level jump and then the top performers feeling like they're a little bit left out. Yeah. So I suppose the advice that I would give, whilst it's easier said than done, is make sure that everybody's is is supported in equal measures. And I found I found in my career the best way to do that is to have some team events where there might be group coaching sessions where the top performers can always learn from each other, but yeah. the the people who are struggling can learn from best practice and get ideas that way. Um. 
but then also making sure that there's that one-to-one time as well because that's where people get the most from when they feel like they're being listened to when they have their individual goals met met and they're working on their own careers as well because it can be easy as well with salespeople in a group setting to have a lot of loud voices and then the the quieter voices sort of overlooked um so that's the advice that just a mixture of development and that's yeah. going to suit all sort of personalities as well yeah no i agree with that and it's interesting because uh i've never managed a sales team or built a sales team but i've spoken to some people that have gone through that process and uh it's interesting because for a lot of them uh they when they're building a team you what i've been told and i kind of agree with it is that you can't if you can picture um, a role model salesperson and the, all of the traits and the habits and the beliefs that they've developed that makes them so good, like you can't have a team of eight of them because mm-hmm. they're, they're just not going to get on and they're not going to be a team, right? And I kind of touched on it with my old sales managers and directors, how there's a little bit of, um, I don't want to say selfishness. It is selfishness, but in the right manner, right? It's used for the common goal of the business, right? Which is to generate revenue and all the rest of it. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, businesses are always going to have this problem in terms of you're going to have most of your revenue is going to be driven by a small percentage of people. And so if you want a sales team, you still need these other people to kind of contribute, realizing that they're not going to uh, contribute everything. And that's just kind of the natural dy- dynamic of uh, building a team and yeah it's just kind of funny in sales because obviously there's revenue associated with it and you want everyone to succeed but it's just not the reality of how how it's going to work um so one of the questions i wanted to ask you actually kind of leaning on that then is like you've had good experience working with great people and great support around you if there's uh sdrs or sales people that are listening that perhaps aren't struggling what's some (laughs) of the advice for them that they could implement straight away that not going to solve all of their problems overnight but can at least kind of put them on the right path so i would say there is so much help out there it's almost a bit of a minefield of like where to go um what i've experienced from coming back to sales this year is actually how selfless salespeople can be So the amount of people who have helped me out, jumped on a call, done a role play and vice versa, um, even if it's just like a virtual coffee to share a few ideas, people are open to doing that, especially SDRs. They are looking to build their own network. They're ambitious. They want to get to know people. I would advise finding friendly looking faces on LinkedIn, connecting with them and asking them to jump on on zoom for a virtual coffee because the amount of information you can get and the amount of support that you can get from one person is actually so far yeah. you could find um a networking event that you could go together um they could recommend a mentor that would be super helpful a book a webinar all these things and it can come from one person so rather trying to navigate it all yourself it's best coming straight from the horse's mouth and there's some super talented SDRs who are shouting out on LinkedIn and they'd be more than happy to sort of help you out so I would say don't suffer in silence if you're struggling there's people out there willing to help you 100% yeah that's really good advice actually Um, not something that gets talked about a lot but in terms of um, I think finding someone that 
is where you want to be already. I think that's important, mm-hmm. right? So if, like you said, if it's an SDR and you know some people that are posting consistently on LinkedIn and you're like, right, yeah, they're, they're, that's where I want to be in a year or two years time, then uh, that's really good advice. And I think the other part that you kind of nailed on the head is that there is so much information out there. And I think two, there's two problems with that. The first one is uh, it can be like an information overload, right? And it can paralyze yeah. the individual. And you're like, oh, well, this person's saying this and this person's saying something different. Like, how should I, uh, like, what should I believe? But also I think another trap that people fall into is that um, a lot of people use different kind of uh, methodologies or processes or systems and all the rest of it. And if you start taking little bits from each one, then it's probably not going to work because there's a reason why they're doing that within the system or the process that they operate in. Right. And so, yeah, you kind of have to be mindful of that, but also uh, you need to know and understand why something would work. And I think I'm guilty of this by putting content out there because we just put content out there for the engagement and get the reach and grow our brand and all the rest of it. But it's just like you're coming up with little ideas and little things that are taken out of context and, yeah, for you need as a salesperson, you need to understand why something would work because if you go and implement it yourself and it fails, you're not going to have any idea why that might be the case. And then you're going to get despondent as well because you're like, well, mm-hmm. this person said I, it will work. I've tried it. It doesn't work. Um, so I think, yeah, going back to your point, having a kind of one source that can help you uh, is definitely a good place to start in a world where there's just so much sales content and content full stop right that um can sort of blind people so i think that's really a good advice so one of the things that i wanted to talk to you about was uh being a female in sales right and this is something that's a hot topic at the moment um because it is a male dominated industry um and i was speaking do you know omar at trainio you must have heard of these guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I was speaking to this him. Yeah, I was speaking to him about this uh, the other day, and um, yeah, we were talking about um, they're obviously all about fair representation, right? And so gender being one of them, but also people from different disadvantaged backgrounds and all the rest of it. Um, and yeah, they're doing some great work uh, with their workshops and their boot camps that they get people on. So it was yeah, it was a conversation I had with him, and we were talking about it, and he raised some interesting points as well, which we could discuss, but. First question I wanted to ask you on this was, uh, obviously, yeah, like I said, it's a male-dominated industry. Um, I think Omar said to me it's about 80% male. Mm. My first question is, why Yeah, why do you think that is? Why do you think sales as a female is a, do- a male-dominated industry? Oh, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I probably put it down to the stereotypical outlook on sales like it's a dog eat dog world and that's that's ultimately just I, I mean not even just as a female as a male if that's what the stereotype is is that what if that what we think um, yeah. the the profession is about why would you want to get into that um and then I think it's the same with with most careers if you can't sort of relate to um the people who are working in that profession if if you don't see yourself in that industry then why would you sort of go out your way to get into that career um yeah. and 
I think if I had complete visibility when I went into the the SaaS world, if I saw it as it was, which is, as you say, 80% male, then, I mean, it's possible that it might have um, swayed my decision to get into it. I mean, I had less visibility because I went yeah. for a recruitment company and I just really liked the company that I interviewed for. Um but I, w- I would imagine that the stereotype and the stigma around sales has a massive thing to do with why initially it's it's so male dominated. Yeah, I know. I'd agree with you in that. And one of the things that Omar talked to me about, which was really interesting, was um, I so we were talking about it and from my experience, uh, like speaking to girls about sales, the general consensus that I was hearing was that they wouldn't be able to do it the the job and a lot of the conversation was around uh the having difficult conversations right and negotiating and the nature of trying to get someone to buy from you um that's what i was hearing and what was interesting from omar he was saying that um all of the the females that came through his process he said that they none, none of them ever struggled with it in mm-hmm. terms of when they were actually out there in the in the field and whatever. So that kind of led us to this idea, like you said, that it was more of a um, a mindset kind of thing that they see this male-dominated world. And it's that element um, that perhaps, like you said, it's a dog-eat-dog world and that's what's putting them off rather than actually the, the reality of it um, that they would struggle in there, which is, like I said, what Omar um, told me that, wasn't ever present so it sounds like um like you said you had kind of a you didn't have as much visibility on uh sales as an industry so was there and probably the answer is no but i'll ask you anyway was there anything mm-hmm. that you kind of struggled with as a, a female coming into the job um yeah when you first started i think um just sort of going back to to your initial point I think there's a lot to be said as well for companies going out and finding the best female sales talent as well. I think yeah. it needs to be a big drive that they're marketing to the people who they want in their company and they're making a conscious effort as well to make their sales teams more diverse. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I would say in terms of challenges for me when I first started in sales whilst I was um surrounded by really supportive people as I've mentioned there was there was no sort of mentor for me who was female and I'm so lucky now that my coach I have two coaches who are um really successful women in sales and they're so important to me in terms of navigating my career but that's just not what I had. And I think that's so important, specifically if you're trying to attract female talent, that you have something in place where they can be like, we have been where you've been. We've been really successful and our history is your future and here's how I can help you do it. If there's not that in place, then I think there's there's less chance that you're going to have women raising their hand being like, I want to have a career in sales because they've, they've not got anybody there who's paved the way for them. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Um, and that was something that Omar and I talked about um, for not just females, but for 
all people right from different backgrounds different religions and all that is that yeah you just didn't have someone who'd done it already uh that gave you the belief that you could go and do it and i think sometimes it's as simple as that right it's just to see right this person's if they can do it then i can do it and Mm-hmm. It feels like, do you feel like this changing? From my point of view, it does feel like uh, there's a lot more uh, female voices in sales that are especially active on LinkedIn, which is probably the main place people hang out. Yeah, I would definitely say even in like the past four or five years that I've worked in sales, there's definitely louder voices from women. And whether that's, they were always there, but they just didn't, I didn't sort of come up on my feed or whether it's just become more prominent now I'm not sure but I know a lot of these women who I speak to are very passionate about making sure that they're loud and that they're heard and that they are super successful and they can help other people to be successful as well so it's it's actually a really exciting time and like it's something that I'm really passionate about as well yeah no I agree I think uh like I said I think that um have been had a couple of conversations about it now that it's something that's at the forefront of my mind um there's obviously some great people like holly allen's one that i constantly see and i can't remember the girl's name i think it's lana she sdrs of germany i think she set up that i don't know if you've heard of them uh she's obviously doing great stuff and uh, is a a huge voice uh, with huge following as well so it does feel like that and i think yeah that's kind of the um the double-edged sword in terms of for like you said for sales to become or appear more of an attractive proposition for females you need to have some females that are kind of leading in the space um but then you need to get more females into sales to grow that if that makes sense so yeah Mm -hmm. it feels like that is moving in, in in the right direction um one of the other things i wanted to ask you then uh was maybe your advice wouldn't be any different but if there's perhaps um some females listening to this, watching this, that perhaps are looking to get into sales or perhaps becoming uh, more of a uh, voice in the industry, what would your advice uh, be for them? I would say that your voice is as valid as any sort of male counterparts that you see on LinkedIn. So be loud and absolutely post your content because it is so relevant. And if you're looking to get into sales, then like you said, it will be similar to my previous advice, but there are so many events now that are for women in sales to talk about, um, to well, to see other successful salespeople, to meet them yeah. and to get advice from them. A lot of these events are free and I'm I'm sure there'll be recruiters there as well. So they'll be able to give you great advice on how to get into sales. I would say make sure that when you're sort of interviewing or you're looking for companies to speak with, that you speak with the salespeople who are already working there and get their opinion on sort of culture and what it's like for development. Do they have a budget? What their experience is because it's best off coming from the horse's mouth. And if they say that they've they're having a great time, they've been supported, um they're invested in their development, then you know that it's going to be a perfect fit. But I would definitely do your research first because like you said, there are still going to be companies where the culture is not going to be a great fit. So so do your research. Yeah. 
No, absolutely. I think that applies to everyone as well, though, right? Uh, do your mm -hmm. research. And like we said at the top of the conversation, finding a good company in, in, in that's going to invest in individuals in the sales team is, from my experience, really difficult. But sounds like from the conversations you're having, though, this, this, that side of it's changing. Um, and then, yeah, the other point that you raised, which was really good, uh, was, and I think, I, if I say her name's Lana, this uh, SDRs of Germany, uh, she posted earlier about um, the biggest thing that held her back from posting content. And I think this applies to everyone is just worrying about what other people think. And obviously you post quite a bit. Is that something that was a concern for you or that you had to get over? Um, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And I think I think that's that sort of imposter syndrome that you don't you might not even think is there because I'm like a very confident person but definitely for the first year of my career I'd be like oh like is this a bit cringe like I've only had one year experience like what what does this even matter to people but genuinely like the amount of people who will like message me um and be like oh thanks so much for that tip or just tried this out and i've booked a meeting from it that's the reason that we do it you're sharing yeah. your experiences and there's nothing that resonates more with people than like true stories so just be authentic and get it out there because the more that you sit on it the more time you're gonna be like oh i wish i just started like ages ago you'll know from building your own network so yeah it takes time but being confident in your own experiences is really going to resonate with other people and i love now seeing like new sdrs who are three months in six months in post their own content i'm like you go because this is so relevant yeah no absolutely and yeah, you raised some even more good points there i think one of them is you just got to get started because mm -hmm. there will be thousands of people maybe not thousands to begin with whilst you grow your audience but eventually there'll just be hundreds of thousands of people that uh were watching your content and they'll be thinking i wish i could do that and most people just never get started right and so you've got to get started but also i think what often people forget is that when you get started, not many people are going to see your posts, which is good because that gives you the time to sort of uh, get better at structuring your posts. It obviously improve your writing. If you're filming content, you'll get better in front of a camera and all the rest of it. And the posts that don't do well, no one will see them anyway. And so it just yeah. gives you, if you can get that consistency up and start telling your story, uh, which was the other point that you made, which was really good in terms of if you're struggling for content ideas, especially if you're kind of new to the industry, you're probably not going to go out there and start telling people how to sell like you're, I've like, been doing this for 10 years, right? It's just not realistic. So sharing your stories and also, like you said, uh, the I don't want to say the worst, but just like your development, like people will, will resonate that because there'll be so many people mm -hmm. in the same position as you. Right. And, uh, yeah, for the early stages, they're really good pieces of content to write because like I said, people will resonate with them and you'll, and you'll grow with that. Um, so no, that is really good advice. And I think, yeah, 
a lot of people just got to, you just got to start and just do it. And you already talked about some of the benefits of you posting. Um, that's why you do it, but unless you do it and do it consistently, then you're never going to get them. Right. So no, really good advice. Uh, right. We're coming to the top of the show. One of the things, our last things I wanted to talk to you about was obviously you mentioned your prospecting at the moment. Um, and yeah. from the sounds of things, how long have you, your, your sales experience? It sounds like you've been doing this for a number of years. Yeah, I would say around four years I've been in sales development. Got it. Yeah, so you've got a lot of experience there. So a lot of the SDR salespeople that will be prospected listening to this. Let's mm-hmm. go for let's go for two bits of advice. What are yeah, sort of not the the go to stuff, the left field stuff that perhaps you don't hear all the time. Yeah, what two tips would you give to people that are in some sort of business development role? I would say, I've been talking about this a lot recently, block your time. This is something that I was guilty of not doing. And then when you're in sales, I don't know what it is, but things can pop up like internal meetings, like um, people like, oh, can you just pop on this call? And before you know it, you've made no calls and your activity is literally zero and you've got no meetings for it. Like your time equals sales so it's so important to block your time and stick to it and what i've been doing recently is literally if a meeting comes up and i physically can't move my prospect in time then i can't do that meeting because it's my job in lead gen to book meetings so therefore that is a priority so i would just say you can be completely polite about it but make sure that at the start of every single day you have blocks to research blocks to call blocks to email and blocks to be reactive because obviously things do come up and um, but just stick to it religiously and people yeah. will then respect your time as well so i'd say that's advice number one advice number two and i think this is a more recent thing in sales development everybody's like you need to show that you're researching you need to show that you personalize I think it's more important to be relevant. I was really guilty initially of picking up the phone and being super personalized. Like, oh, I saw your I saw your uh, webinar or I saw your podcast and then just talk about something completely different and it's just really random. The best way to do it is by forming a bridge. So like, oh, Callum, saw your podcast, loved the point on... Um, being like getting more women into sales like it's so exciting and would love to speak to you about and then if you're like a recruiter getting more women in sales it's relevant and it's personalized so I think that's the most current information I would say is if you're just being personalized there's no relevancy it's just random and people get confused so just make sure that you're forming that bridge between what you've researched and what you want to speak about yeah, no, that's really good advice. Um, so yeah, my thoughts on that. So we'll start with the uh, research thing. So me personally, I don't research. And the point, the points that you mentioned, uh, the second point, um, I have no doubts would be really effective, right? Because a big challenge if you don't research, especially if you're a cold calling, uh, mm-hmm. is that people will just think that it's not relevant for them. And I've 
recently having conversations with people that are oh, for, I didn't realize this was work related. They just thought it was a cold call about changing energy supplier or some sort of spam <laughs> call. Right. And so you have that issue. Um, so yeah, if you're going to do research and especially if you've got, um, like targeted accounts, right, that's really good. If you've got maybe 20 accounts, you're like, right, I really want to break into these, then it makes sense to do that. Um, and yeah, that's a really good advice. Cause I think a lot of people, uh, research personalization used to be kind of flavor of the year last year, I think where everyone was talking about it, but people kind of went a bit too far and started looking at their Twitter page and Facebook page and trying to find out where they went on holiday to sort of break some ice or what their favorite, uh, <laughs> sports team was and all the rest of it. Right. And yeah, you're absolutely right. When you do that, it, it kind of feels a little bit disingenuous because you're like, it's got nothing to do with the conversation I'm going to be having with you. Right? So no, I think that's really good advice. Uh, and then, yeah, your first one about uh, time blocking is quite funny because a lot of salespeople uh, maybe forget that if you're an SDR, your job is literally to get in front of new prospects. And so, yeah, as, as a company, you've got all these other things going on. But I think sometimes, and I probably did this as well, you just use it as an excuse. You're like, oh, all these meetings popped up. I haven't done anything today, but it's not my fault. But you're absolutely right. Is you've got a calendar blocking is the easiest thing to do, and just sticking to it. Um, but yeah, you've got to for salespeople that are perhaps struggling with consistency, you've got to have that mindset of the my number one job is to book new meetings, and so everything takes priority over that. And like you said, if meetings come up, then you've got to uh, respect yourself and respect your own time right and just say well look oh, sorry i can't do this because this is my job right and if if i don't do this then you don't get paid like if you're speaking to someone outside of the sales uh team right and so i think that's really important obviously something that uh people and i did it myself are guilty of it kind of neglect and just yeah let things flow and uh all of a sudden the day's gone and you haven't done any prospecting um so no yeah. i like that one that's good uh last question and then we'll wrap this up I always ask this, especially to people that worked in sales. Um, so you mentioned you've been doing this for four years. Yeah. The question is this, if going back to when you started, if there, is there anything that you know right now that you wish you knew four years ago when you first started your job in sales? I mean, I hope there's a lot that I know now that when I first started, um, but I wish I knew. Um, I wish I knew that my voice is as valid as other people online. And it's so normal to, going back, basically going back to the content posting that we were speaking about, yeah. that, that my experiences are going to resonate with so many other people, just have the confidence to get posting and turn up to events and just basically get yourself out there and network if I just put the energy that I spent into being like oh are people going to resonate with this am I qualified to be saying this into actually writing and posting content then I'm sure I would have got to where I got to now quicker but ultimately hindsight is a wonderful thing so hopefully if there's any newbies in sales that, yeah. that are listening to this and they can take my advice and, and get started early yeah no that's a really good point and uh well let me ask you this last question following up on that is there anything that that you did or is there like something that changed your 
thought process on that where it's like right i'm gonna actually my voice does uh is valuable and i'm gonna start posting was there a kind of a catalyst for change i actually think there was it was the first podcast that i ever went on i think i've been in sales for like a year and a half a year something like that and i went on it and i was actually like I can answer these questions. I can answer these questions confidently yeah. and I have a voice and I have something to say. After that, it totally flicked a switch. If anybody ever asked me to be on their podcast or um, to go on a webinar or just be involved in a project, I would literally jump at the chance. Similarly with networking events, I'm there because I have something to say and I'm going to say it loudly. So I just think it's ultimately getting over that that first initial fear and once you're over yeah. it you're away so that's why when people are concerned or they're nervous or they're anxious and i'm like go just go and do it you'll end up loving it yeah no you're absolutely right uh and that i think that kind of mindset and how things play play out can be applied to just sales in general right like the hardest cold call you'll ever make is the first one like your first yeah first sales meeting you're going to be nervous and then by the end of it you can think oh, was that it like what what am i worrying about um mm -hmm. so no i think that's really good advice actually because yeah i remember going through it when i set up the business doing the first po first podcast um like the first podcast i did was a live one and i was crapping myself but after that it's like right i've done that that's it's never going to get as hard as that because that was live mm -hmm. and it was my first podcast and so like the next one was a breeze uh and yeah everything just gets a lot easier doesn't it but you've got to like you said you've got to put yourself out there um knowing that the first instance is going to be awkward you might not do a good job like my first podcast i was probably really shit to listen to um <laughs> but it's like anything you just got to keep going and you'll just get better at it and don't stop basically and like you said just keep putting yourself out there whether it's networking events uh, any opportunity, I guess, when you're in your company, like to do webinars, uh, anything that makes you uncomfortable, basically, just yeah. go and do it. Right. That's really good advice. Okay. Well, look, Nia, I really enjoyed that chat. Thank you very much for coming on. Um, I guess the last question, is there anything you wanted to add before we close, close the podcast off? I think we've covered some really good points, but I would say yeah. being a female in sales, um, if there's anybody sort of looking to get into sales or any female salespeople who want to reach out, if they've got any questions, go for it. I'm always open for a chat and I'm basically practicing what I preach. I want our profession to be more diverse. So hit me up if you have any questions or if I can help in any way, I would love to. Yeah, amazing. And uh, best place to find you LinkedIn, right? Yeah, LinkedIn, yeah. or you can even email me near at mysalescoach.com. Okay, perfect. I'll put some uh, links everywhere this is up so uh, people can get in touch with you that way. Uh, and uh, I'll put a link up to, I take it, my, my sales coach, you've got a website, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll put, I'll put a, a link up in there as well. Uh, so, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, any anyone, I guess, not just females, but females in particular, yeah, go and speak to, to Nia. Um, what have you got to lose, right? It might be uncomfortable, <laughs> but just go and do it. And I'm sure you're not going to buy it anyway, right? So probably be one of the best conversations they have all year if they go and do that. No, you're so right. Obviously, it was just topical with it being women in sales, but I'm always open to speaking yeah. with other salespeople. Love it. 
No, absolutely. Yeah, go and do it. Um, okay, well, yeah, thanks again uh, for everyone listening, watching. Uh, thanks for joining us. And yeah, like I said, I've got two again this month, so uh, won't have to wait that long. A couple of weeks and we'll I'll be dropping another podcast. So I look forward to seeing you there. Thanks again.